Hey community, welcome to our sermon podcast for wanderers, seekers, and thinkers, for deconstructing and reconstructing. This is a feed of Open Door Church, a faith community focused on God's love and grace, a progressive church built around action, community, and people. Enjoy this week's message and check back often as we're posting new content every week. casual here. Advent is a thing. And depending on where you come from and what background, I know we have people from all different backgrounds. And that's awesome. That's amazing. Uh, But it means that our understanding of different seasons of the Christian tradition are not necessarily there. I personally grew up in a tradition that had almost no reference to Advent at all. I think it was a word we used. I don't think we knew what it meant. And it certainly didn't carry with it all of the traditions and, and, uh, and the, the religious seasons that we sometimes, that many of you are aware of and, and familiar with. To follow that line of thought, I think this is the first time, so bear with me, the first time that I've actually attempted to travel through the Advent series with our messages. On Sunday morning. So that's kind of exciting. Not for you. <laughs> exciting for me. Uh, and, and I didn't think about this when we planned it, but, but I find it interesting because we just closed out this series on exile. And really, the two go so well together, exile and advent. And I'm actually borrowing from the lectionary, which of course, again, as a casual non-denominational church uh, that has little to no reference to lots of traditions. We have uh, no idea what lectionary means and things like that, but I learned about it in seminary. Actually learned a lot of, uh, quite interesting, because I went to a Methodist seminary, which, which has more of those religious traditions and I learned to appreciate some of, some of those things that I had just no appreciation for going in, which was, which was lovely. None of that's relevant. <laughs> but Advent, I was going to be shorter. So Advent is the season of waiting. It's, it's the season of waiting for the coming king. And in the, the Judeo-Christian tradition, that's kind of our thing to be honest. We spent all of this time in exile, uh, seven weeks. I mean, it was like 70 years, but we spent seven weeks. We spent all of this time in exile really asking the, asking the question, are we in some sort of exile? Is this, is this world, like, are we so out of our familiar, uh, culture and place in life that, that we need to identify with the story of exile in the, in the Hebrew scriptures. And there's probably a better analogy that we talked about in the prophetic tradition. But the period of exile is this period, you start with this complete desperation where everything breaks down and nothing makes sense because God has told us we're going to be, I'm going to be here with you. Literally. In the temple, I'm going to be here with you. You are my people. I am your God. I am here with you. And when, when 
the period of exile comes in and people are removed from their land and seemingly all of their traditions and all of their understanding of the world, political, religious, uh, culturally, everything is broken. They have to ask the question, where is God? And so after that moment of, of desolation, of desperation, of everything coming, crumbling down, there is this moment of waiting. There's this moment of hope. There's this moment that says, actually, I think God is going to restore this. God is here. God is present. And we're waiting for God to restore our kingdom and our place and the world as it's supposed to be. In terms of the Christian Advent story, we we typically lose that story This is what's beautiful about the lectionary because they're so attuned to to how everything fits together. We don't use it often, but but they're so attuned to how everything fits together that each, if you're not aware, each week there's a passage from Hebrew Scriptures, the Psalms, usually, and then a Gospel, and then another New Testament text. So there's four texts together. And, and they have this, uh, this flow to them that it, that helps you understand how everything is connected. So we just finished exile and, and we move into this season of Advent, which we would normally be focused on Christmas and focused on the story of Jesus and focus on the, the, the trip to Bethlehem and the waiting period for the coming king. And in Jeremiah, in the midst of exile, God says to Jeremiah, I'm coming to restore what has been lost. And the waiting period for Jeremiah, the Advent season for Jeremiah, is waiting for the restoration of Judah and Jerusalem. And so there's this beautiful symmetry that we lose in our non-traditional space often. That's Advent for those of us that are unaware. It is, it is this waiting period. So a lot of these texts in, in the lectionary during Advent series, in Advent season, are apocalyptic in nature. Is a show of hands, apocalyptic? Is that here or, yeah, that, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Okay. Both of you. So apocalyptic literature in, uh, in scripture is really, it's, it's written in a time of desperation. It's written in a time uh, where nothing makes sense, where, where, where you look out into the world and evil is winning. You go, why, where is God? Why is, why is God not winning in this, in this battle for understanding the world and the stage in which we will live and breathe and act? And the apocalyptic literature tells this story that someday, somehow, God is going to make things right. And we don't quite understand it, and sometimes we tell these big dreams of, uh, uh, and have these beautiful, elaborate dreams of what the world is going to look like when God comes to fix everything. But this apocalyptic moment is, is the literature that is is explaining or expressing how God is going to put the world right. 
it's that glimmer of hope when you're in a season of oppression. It's that, it's that, it's that small chance of, of getting out when you are up against the ropes. It, it is that moment of, of hope and, and something better is coming. It has to be coming. So we often tell this story when we talk about ourselves and being in exile. We often talk about God is going to make the world right in a future heavenly kingdom. And so we, we quite literally remove ourselves from this space and say, I'm only here for this space. What's coming? Which is tragic in a lot of ways because I think we misread apocalyptic literature when we do that. But it's very easy to do because, because a lot of times this world sucks. And we have to have hope for something else. And the season of Advent is that hope for something else. Is that hope for the glory of the kingdom of God that is coming. So let's read uh, just briefly. Just briefly, let's read in Jeremiah chapter 33. So we're still in exile, but we're not. We're in Advent. So this passage comes in the midst of about two chapters that are hopeful in the book of Jeremiah. For the most part, Jeremiah is, is quite gloomy. It's, it's a bit depressing. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of struggle. It's a very difficult time to live. Uh, but in these two chapters, there's sort of a reprieve. It's right at the center of the book in the Hebrew text. It's right at the center of the book. That's intentional. That's, that's purposeful. It's, it's part of, uh, it's a, it's a theological statement to throw it right in the center and say there's struggle here, there's struggle here, but, but there's some hope right in the middle of everything. And so we're going to look at cha- uh, chapter 33, verse 14. And this is the closing of those two chapters of hope. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it, that is Jerusalem, will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. In the midst of this dark moment of exile, Jeremiah is given this word that says, Everything's going to be okay because God is going to put it all back together. God's going to restore the land. God's going to restore the kingdom. That is the, the literal line of David, the monarchy put back in place. God is going to restore the people, the temple. Everything is coming back together. We are just waiting for the day that God returns Glory to the land of Judah and Jerusalem. This is the covenant that God has made with this people, that there will be a kingdom. We can read way into this and talk about Israel today, and it gets really dark really fast. We don't need to do that. 
What we need to talk about is the hope that God is giving to this people in the midst of exile. Remember the theology that we were working with from Jeremiah? So it wasn't evil. It wasn't just enemies that came in and removed this people from their land, right? It was God. In their thought process, in their theology, in the understanding of of Jeremiah and, and those around him, it's not the people of Persia or Babylon or Assyria that are doing this. It is God using a foreign enemy to come in and teach or write the ways of Judah and Jerusalem. We say that because it's important to remember that as he's telling this story that God is going to restore, it can't just go back to where it was. This is where we come in. We'll come back to that in a second. It can't just go back to where it was. That's not enough. Two weeks ago, we spent some time distinguishing between the, the God of Moses, the free God that sets the oppressed free and cares for the marginalized and lifts people up, and the God of the, the monarchy of, of Solomon that, that requires a God that you can access, that requires a God that can maintain the status quo. That's the God pre-exile, is the one that, that is oppressing, excuse me, God's not oppressing the people. The kingdom, the monarchy, is oppressing its own people to lift up the few and to keep status quo in place. The system has to be maintained. And so, so for God to say, I'm going to restore the monarchy, it can't go back to the way it was because that was broken. And even according to Jeremiah's own theology, it can't return there because... God is using exile. God is using this people. God is using this land. And so there's some key words in the midst of this that I want us to focus on. We're only looking at three verses, but there are some very key takeaways for us to think about. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. And he shall execute justice, and righteousness in the land. Pre-exile, there is oppression and marginalization and lifting up the wealthy on the backs of the poor in the land. That's what kingdom meant. That's what monarchy meant. That's what it means to create and provide a ruling class. God's not restoring that. God's not moving back to a place of oppression and a place of darkness in their own land. That was the the prophet's call, was to speak truth to the power in their own kingdom. God is restoring a righteous and just land. It's a different place. Let's talk about these two words just for a second. Righteousness is really tough for us to grasp. Uh, frankly, we use the word righteous most often in a two-word phrase. Anyone? Self-righteous. Highly negative connotation, right? 
Because self-righteous is about your own judgment on others. It's about your own morality, and it's usually based on something that has is very unhealthy, quite frankly. So that's the whole point. That's why it's so negative a con- uh, context. We don't we don't use the word righteous that often in a positive connotation because we don't have a good holistic understanding of the word. So let's talk about righteous just for a minute. Uh, you can you can use the word in that moral high ground kind of way, but biblically, righteous has a whole lot more context to it. Uh, it's it's about the right order of things, which we don't really have language for that either. So let me keep unpacking. It's about that right order of things. It's about uh, it's about putting in place the way the world is supposed to be. It's about putting in place the way the community is supposed to interact and live with one another. It's about, it's about the, the world and, and all of the cosmos being in the right order and the right place. And so in relationship, the right order is caring for one another. In community, the right order is when you're taking care of those that can't take care of themselves and when you're lifting up those that have been pushed down and not oppressing and marginalizing and pushing out. Right order has uh, dignity to the people and to the land. Right order has moments of Sabbath year, Sabbath day that that help to restore peace and shalom to the world, to you, to your community. Righteousness has all of that in its context, all of that in its umbrella. And so so to read this and go righteousness, God's going to restore righteousness and then talk about a moral high ground, which even when we use it in a positive way is often what we mean is a moral high ground, is not the fullness of what's going on. We can't remove that. I think that's a legitimate part of that word. But it's so much bigger and fuller than that view. For a king to rise and execute justice and righteousness, it is to run a kingdom differently, alternatively than the world has seen in its past. It is to right the wrongs of those injustices. It is to lift up instead of to push down. It, it is a kingdom, but it looks very different. And so when we move into our Christian context and we're talking about Advent and the story of waiting for a coming glory of a, of a coming king and one that is not simply restoring the monarchy, but one that is restoring the right order of the world, it comes in the form of a baby. And it comes in the form of someone who is pushing against political and religious and social injustices in his world. That is a very different picture than the kingdom that led to exile in the Hebrew text. That's where we get involved. We can read these stories of Advent, of apocalyptic literature, and tell about some future time and some future place when God comes in and wipes everything out because it all sucks. 
That's twice in one message. We can, we can do that. And we can, and we can wait for this to happen. And, and if we move to the New Testament text from the lectionary today, it is simply awaiting, awaiting for the signs of what is to come. And what I want to offer you, because we look out into a world that is sometimes very dark. We have access to, to all kinds of, of information and news from all over the world. So our global community is wrought with pain and suffering and stories of heartache and hardship and struggle and, uh, and war and, and refugees and, and denial of refugees and, and everything that seems wrong with what God would restore a kingdom to. But in the midst of all of that are these moments of glory. These, these moments where you can see God's kingdom working and you, and you just have this glimmer of hope for the future. That's Advent. That hope for something that is changing is Advent. And we get to participate. We don't just have to watch. We get to participate. So we go down to Anita Place and we serve meals. And it's not a lot because we're small and we're trying to make a small dent in a large problem. But it's restoring momentary glimpses of hope in a desperate world. That is Advent. That is what we are working towards and moving towards. And so we can sit on the sidelines and wait and hope and and expect, or we can get our hands dirty and participate in the story of Advent, in the story of the coming kingdom of glory and honor that looks like this story. That righteous branch, that right order that restores people that are pushed down, that, that lifts up those that are on the edges, and to execute justice and righteousness in the land. We can sit and wait. Or we can journey on our own path to Bethlehem in the, the procession of moving toward the coming glory of God's kingdom. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Open Door Church. Our intro and outro music was created by Lee Rosevere and is used under a Creative Commons by Attribution license. Have a great week. Ask the hard questions and explore God's love. Everyone is always welcome to join the journey with us at Open Door. Learn more at opendoorfamily.ca. That's opendoorfamily.ca.